Leslie, good afternoon to the rest of you. How's everyone doing? Good. I heard a good and a great. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> let's take our Bibles this afternoon and let's turn to uh, the book of Hebrews. It was uh, our text for last week. And uh, I was just kind of going through it, and I think we'll, I'm not sure where we're going to go exactly, but I'd like to link off of it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and look at verses uh, 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. May God add a special blessing to read Him His Word, and let us just bow for prayer, prayer to our study. Father God, again, we thank You for the day. We thank You for Your love, for Your care, for Your giving of grace to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask now that these moments that are before us, that they would be worshipful and praising to You. And Father, in return, we know that we can expect to relationally be closer to You as well. We would ask, Father, that You would take us where You want us to be, that our thoughts and our minds are Yours for these moments. Father, we would ask that you would direct us through the power of the Holy Spirit, who we ask would exclusively be our teacher today. We pray for those that are here. We thank you for their willingness to, to come and to learn more of you and to praise your name. We ask that you would bless them and their families. And Father, for those that are not able to attend today, that for whatever reasons, we would ask that you protect them and guide them and bring them, Father, to a closer relationship to yourself as well. Now, these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, last week we took that passage and we kind of dealt with one little aspect of it, um, that of the sin that so easily besets us. And speaking of chapter 11, of, which is all about faith, and it's those that literally never even knew Jesus Christ. They knew of the promises that God had given to them, and they really describe uh, the th in fact, if you take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, and it tells us uh, what faith is. It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There seems to be two things that faith is in accordance with. It's not something that you can take a, if you were going to take a picture today, uh, faith isn't what you take a picture of. But faith is dealing with the future and things that are unseen. And the hope or the confidence that we have is certainly only as strong as what you place your faith in. So faith is only as strong or valid as the object in which it's placed. And so chapter 11 is all about these men and women that trusted God with a great deal of confidence and literally their lives showed the difference. And when we got to conclusion of chapter 11, in chapter 12, it tells us for us to run the race with great endurance. We talked a little bit last week that there's quite a difference between the 100-yard dash and the marathon. If you take off at a marathon at the same level and course of speed that you do in a 100-yard dash, you will not make the 26-mile mark, will you? The sense of endurance is that very thing, to, to run it with a sense looking out and beyond, allowing for the troubles, the challenges, all of those things that come at us. But I'd like maybe for us to get into a... I'm going to go back to an Old Testament passage about the nation Israel, that their trust, their confidence was not in God. We're going to go to Isaiah, but let's not go there right now. Let's, let's, I want you to describe for me maybe in terms or words that help, would help me, and I don't, let's say I don't know anything about faith, which I don't know very much, but I'm going to have you tell me to describe faith 
so that I can get a firmer understanding of it. Boy, the, you should see the blank stares. Like, really? Okay, but let's try. It'll be good for us, if nothing else. So faith, what is faith? Very good, very good. Hebrews, you said 11.1, you said right? You meant that. I'm going to help you through. You said Hebrews 1, but it was Hebrews 11.1. Thank you very much for that insightful, insightful work, Ernie. But that, that's good. It means that he was at least, at least here listening. So talk to me about uh, what else about faith? Believing. Believing, okay. Let's take that for a second. Uh, believing. Uh, let me, what's the difference between, for instance... Uh, um, us, if you were to read something out of God's Word and there's a statement, and you say, I believe that. I believe that to be true. Okay? Is that as far as faith that God is talking about really pleasing Him that goes, oh, by the way, let me read verse 6 for you in the same chapter. It's, faith is a really big deal. In verse 6, chapter 11, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, him being God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, interesting, we saw that word believe in that very verse. But belief is not just believing what is true. It's acting upon it with confidence moving forward. Now, what I mean, I'm going to try to get the difference for you. For instance, Satan, or the adversary, the enemy... He knows and believes what is true. He knows what is true. But do you see the difference? He never acted upon it. For us to act upon the things we know to be true, that's a big difference. And that's what God's asking us to do. Now, let me, I'm not done. That was, that was really good. Trust. trust, very much in the same line. Yeah, exactly, trust. In fact, we're going to find that word as we go to the old, yes, Mark. Oh, mine, regardless of circumstances. So let's say, I'm going to just say that, uh, regardless of circumstance. Now, that's easy, isn't it? Why not? What happens to us when things... Now, again, faith isn't just a matter of, it, it, you know, for us to just bring it together and we believe. But you know what makes, makes it harder? Is when the circumstances continue to go and to keep trusting, to keep believing. You see what? Well, that's the difference, isn't it? There's a lot going on there. Thank you. That, that added a whole other dimension, didn't it? Because it's easy to trust once. Uh, one of the first things, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, and I probably have, so I couldn't get a volunteer. But I was, uh, I was probably in, uh, I'm going to say I was probably 14, probably, 15, something like that. And I was in a, a church uh, our home church just was back in uh, Tuttle, North Dakota. Has anyone been to Tuttle, North Dakota, other than my mother? Have you really? Yes. Really? Well, On what occasion, I must ask? I was coming back from Minnesota, and I, Bismarck, I had to go up there and see where you guys came from. Oh, you actually knew that? <laughs> Aha! I couldn't think of one other reason than to just see where I came from, right? <laughs> I have to appreciate. What's that? You're checking out. Yeah. So, so what kind of an impression did it make on you? It was magnificent. It was. <laughs> now, now there's another. There's a, there's something else. God, thou shalt not lie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But at any rate, it was it was probably very unique, right? Yes. It was very unique. Very unique. Tuttle was a little town of about 200. Okay. And it had a high school there. That's where I graduated from high school and quickly left. Came to Montana. Really don't go back very much. But at the same time, we, uh, the church that we attended, there was a pastor by the name of Pastor Gould, G-O-O-L-D. And he was actually a really, he was an older gentleman, but really knew the word well. And I was, you, you will find this very hard to believe, but I was very shy, I was very quiet, and I didn't say hardly anything to anyone. Look at the shock. I see, I see shock looks out there. Okay, God can change anyone. That's what I'm talking about. But at any rate, I was probably 14 or 15 when he was uh, in Pastor Gould. I had him in some... Uh, Oh, so I would say some youth education classes and things. And we were pretty close. You know, I knew him very well. And on a Sunday morning, worship service, he says this. I'm going to ask, no, by the way, didn't, didn't ask any. This is just during the service. And he says, uh, I'm going to ask Larry to come up and we're going to demonstrate faith today. I, rem I still remember 
that's not, I want to do it. But I did, because that was, that's the right thing to do. So we go up and he sits me in this chair. He sits me down. And he's talking about things I have no idea what he said, because I am not, I'm just, what is he going to do, right? My mind is not there. And as he said, other than the fact he was going to demonstrate faith, and he puts a blindfold around me, okay? And he continues to talk. And then he asks me, I'm sitting in this chair, if you can imagine, I'm sitting in this chair just like this, and he blindfolds me, and then he asks me to stand up, and he says, and he says some more things. He wants to discuss, he's discussing uh, the validity of faith and all of these things. And then he said, you know where we're going, don't you? He said, now, Larry, I'm going to ask you to sit down. And he pulled the chair away. And you know exactly what happened, don't you? And you say, that was so mean. But what he described, and I have never forgotten that lesson because that was exactly a picture of faith. I trusted what he said for me to do. Now, I didn't appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) And and he would have, I I don't know why he did that to me, right? So we, that's pretty good. Actually, all of these years forward, which that's a long time ago. I'll not tell you how many, but it's a long time ago. And at, at the same time, you know what? It's the same level of the way faith operates today. Well, you trusted in him. I did. Yeah. Totally. 100%. You trust. Absolutely. And you know what? You, I'm sorry, Leslie? It's a choice, and it involves action. It does. It does. See, that's the difference. It's not just, just, just blindly sitting back. And, and, oh, I believe that. No, 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 no. That's, that, that doesn't, that's not active faith. It's engaged in truth. It's engaged in what you believe. Now, see, and I've used this many times because it's, it's such an obvious one. But all of you seated here today are engaged in trust, at least in one thing today. You're trusting your weight on the chair in which you come in. And most of you didn't really study that. Boy, I wonder if that's going to do it for me. I must... Ooh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm not going to sit today because I just don't trust it, right? You probably just came in and slipped right down, right? Chair in the back row, <laughs> you, so you've taken note. You've taken note, okay? Watch out for that one. Watch out for that one. But, but it's interesting. Now, here's the thing. The more that we understand God's promises, the more we understand in utilizing it, and this is why it's so, so important for us to sometimes turn around and look back and see what He's brought us through and to be thankful for that, that gives us encouragement and confidence going forward because we know what he did in the past. And that's what chapter 11 of Hebrews is all about because those are all factual, historical figures that literally trusted God with everything, and it worked out. Now, the ones that are a little bit struggling, and we're not, I'm getting off track a little bit, but there's a section in chapter 11 of Hebrews where it didn't work out so good for them. But you know what? It didn't matter. It was regardless of circumstances because God's promises are beyond this life. They are in the future, and we're trusting Him for what He has told us will take place because everything else He said so far has worked out. It's been spot on. Boy, you're a quiet group. What else can we say? Anything else before we move on? Absolutely. We talked a little bit about that just just a few moments ago, that your faith is only strong. And I'll tell you another quick story. Uh, There was a gentleman uh, actually moved to the area from a long ways away, and uh, he was was battling, I don't remember the medical condition or something about it, and uh, he said, but I just just need to, I just need to be, I need to be, I just need to be strong in faith. I just need, you know, it's just, I have to have faith. I I have to have faith. That's what I have to have faith. And I said, okay, faith in what? Well, um, that kind of, uh, um, well, I just have to have faith, right? And so I, no, you know me well enough now. I'm not that quiet, bashful type anymore. I said, well, but faith in what? I, I outgrew that faith in my life. And again, he came on, he came with the same. So in other words, for him now, think of this. His faith was in his faith. So it could only be as strong as he was. Do you see the difference? Big difference. Big difference. 
So it's important that we, we make sure that what our faith is. Now, this is what's going to be, I think it's time now for us, unless someone's got a, something else you want to add to this? Need to, maybe you need to burn our burn our bridge, over, like Abraham when he left Ur the Chaldees. Oh, I mean, there wasn't a turning back. I mean, have you ever yeah. had those moments where you're kind of clinging to something, dragging along? I, I know I have. Just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Escape route. Escape route. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of thrown away the escape route, right? And you know what? In life, it's a lot. It's 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 comforting. Now, th- this is important. Now, comfort is not necessarily tied to this. In fact, a lot of times, our faith in Christ, we need to be a little bit out of our comfort zone, because otherwise, are we really trusting? That's a good point. In other words, do we have a backup plan? I usually have several. Right. I think we all do. We're kind of that way. Okay, anything else? This has been good. I want us to go now to, and I'm going to fill in some of the, spa- some of the blanks. Um, the nation Israel, the nation of, uh, actually Judah, it was the tribes had been, had been split between the two. Um, and the, the, the nation of Judah was coming around an attack. And, and what do you know about the nation Israel? I want to be sure that we understand. The nation Israel is what in relationship to God? It's his chosen people. Not because they're special but because God chose them so that they would appear special to the rest of the world because they have a special God. That's really the, the bottom line. And by the way, he's still the Jewish people across this world are still God's chosen people. There's no question about it. I, I'm, a, I'm appalled where we are as, a, as, as our government in its highest places today that are literally taking offensive against Israel. And I'm going, to, I'm going to read this verse because this is a promise that we'll certainly withhold to the end of our time. And it, in, now, you, you, I'll get back to Isaiah, but right now, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. The, the thing that is so important is that God's Word is faithful all the way through. Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, and uh, verses 1 through 3. Now, uh, Paul actually raised the fact of Abram that he was... He distanced himself from his relatives and from his country. God said, I'm gonna, I want you to go now where I will show you. He didn't tell him where he was going. He didn't give him a map. He didn't say how far it was. He said, I want you to follow me there, but not knowing where there was. There was no there, right? How are you doing? Now, after the fact, it was about a 900-mile trip. Wow. Foreign everything. But watch this. This is what God said to him. Verse 1, chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. That's cutting those ties like Paul was just bringing us our attention to. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Ultimately, they were all blessed through the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came from Abram's seed, ultimately from the family of the line of David. But that, that is just as true today. If we choose not to follow through and to take, what should I say, take care of or to be a a friend to the nation of Israel. You can expect trouble. You can expect it. I didn't say it. That's what God said. It's predetermined, if you will. Okay, now, I want to get back to something because this trust, this believing, the nation is that nation, that nation that God chose right there through 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 the loins of Abram, they forgot who to trust. Have you ever done that? Don't answer. It's so easy in the world, the society in which we come. There's so much stuff coming at us, so on. In the middle of the night, boom, you wake up and you can have this anxiety. You can have this overwhelming, ah, right? 
Has anyone ever had that? I see a few heads nodding. Or see some thing, hear some things shaking, right? <laughs> that is so, so easy to do. Now, the nation of Judah, now I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but let's turn to Isaiah chapter 30, and, and if nothing else, write it down and read it for yourself this evening, and, and you'll get the gist of it. I, I want, I'm going to fill in some blanks, but uh, Isaiah chapter 30 is speaking, out, speaking of Judah and what she was doing. She literally was going to be under attack, so... What she did then is she said, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Let's see. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Oh, I know. I could go down to Egypt, and I could make an alliance with them. Because they have a lot of chariots. They have a lot of horsemen. They had a lot of protection. And defensively, if we could buy them to protect us, we'd be in good shape. It sounds logical, doesn't it? Pretty much, right? I mean, we make alliances. We, we, we try to position ourselves. We try to, you know, I could go on for the rest of this time. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Egypt acts, I'm sorry, Israel was acting just like we do today. We're looking for something to grab onto to give us. Who are they trusting in? Trusting in other people. They were trusting in something that was only as strong as guess what? Now, the other thing that they forgot about is the Egyptians weren't always people of integrity. They'll take your money and forget to defend you. Oh, that's a bad deal, isn't it? <laughs> but I want us to come to a verse that God kind of summarizes this whole thing. And I, let's see, we want to go to... Uh, Oh, let's go to verse 13. I think this will, this will set us up nicely, okay? Isaiah chapter 30. Oops, I'm in 29. I, I, that's not going to work for me. Okay, let me go to, um, let me find it. I'll be right there. Verse 15. Uh, chapter 30 of Isaiah and verse 15. Now watch. This is, as all of this has come out, um, I, I'm going to maybe just look at a couple of verses. Just stay there. Uh, verse 7 says, For the Egyptians shall help in vain and for no purpose. They're not going to help you at all. Their strength is of, of no value. Verse 15, he comes down to this and he says, Thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and you would not. The formula he's just given is this. I'm going to have to erase this now. So on the board, we're going to go... What was the first thing we found? What's the first thing? He said, if you add this to this, you'll get strength. Quietness. Quietness and what? Confidence. There we go. Confidence. And you know what that equals? Strength. Now, it's interesting. Quietness is not the removal from noise. That's not the idea here. It's actually from cessation of activities. I mean, these guys are boiling around and they're stressed up and all. Does it, has anybody, did you have any stress this week? Oh, you guys won't even raise your hand, will you? That's okay. You don't have to. It's so easy to get stressed out today, isn't it? There's so many things bombarding at us, just coming and going. And, you know, you, can you imagine now, many of you probably have not had an enemy coming and going to rip you from limb to limb and tear and burn you to nothing. What would you do? Well, I think it's just time to be quiet right now. <laughs> do you see how hard that is? You see what it, this, this sounds so good for us today on a Sunday afternoon because we can say these things and put them on the board. That's right. That's what the Bible said. Right? But when you're in the mix, when you're right there, quietness. Are you kidding me? Right? And yet that's exact, did I spell quietness right? No, no. Very good. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> now, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. It is so easy. I have to look at it from a distance. That is so wrong, isn't it? It's so wrong. And you guys are so nice, you never tell me. But you surely know the rules now. I before E, right? 
<laughs> there we go. Now we're all gone. It's still sloppy, but uh, whatever. It's there. It's okay. It's <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can take your eyes off. I love it. I love it. Okay. You were okay. <laughs> we're too good here, aren't we? Thank you, Ernie, for backing me up there, right? Okay. Quietness. It's one of the hardest things to do when you're under stress. It is one of the hardest things to do. Last night, for whatever reason, in the middle of the night, I woke up and you got a sale coming up, you know, or whatever, which we've had a number of sales. You know, they say it should get easier. That's a lie. <laughs> and it, it wasn't just that. It was this, ah, right? Has this year been a struggle or what? From weather and all kinds of different things. There's just so many things. And for whatever reason, poosh, just like that. And you know what the last thing I wanted to do right then? Was to be quiet. <laughs> I wanted to worry. I wanted to get anxious. I wanted to do all the stuff that would do absolutely no good, but I would feel better doing it. You guys are just about into my game, right? <laughs> Trying with all the intents. What's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's so interesting. Now, this morning, I mean, when I, you know, and, I, and again, the thing that helps for me is two, thi two things that break me out of that. that it, it's a vicious thing. It just grabs you. And it whole, it, it's just that very thing we're going to be talking about in, in Romans chapter 8. The sense of that it, it's a tension. It's a pressure. You just kind of like get pushed through something. And, and it's, right? I don't know what this sounds like on tape. I apologize. But it must sound really bad. And that's exactly what I want it to sound like. There's two things. One is to start to think of just one thing at a time. Thank you, God, for, and it's usually, it's in the past, right? Now, I can thank God for the future because of what he's done in the past, but it's a lot easier for me to see what he's done and to begin thankful for that. And then, and then it kind of goes, oh, yeah, and not only that, that led to that, which is that. And, you know, you, you get on a roll. And the other thing is, is praying for other people praying for other people. There's a, there's a young, I just thought of this sitting right here, right, took a phone call from a, from a lady last night. Um, four kids, um, and why she called, or how she called me, no, I'm going to say why she called me, would have put her in a great deal of distress to even, to call me, okay? She lives a long ways away, it's no one you know, but I'm telling you, the pressure that she was under to call me because I know her husband pretty well. And I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. I want you to pray for her. I'm going to leave her unnamed, but she and her husband need your prayers. There's struggles, there's challenges, all of these things, and she's just torn apart. She's torn apart. And, the, you know, it would have even been hard for me to say, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be quiet. <laughs> oh, Really? But you know what? As, as I left her, I prayed with her over the phone. In fact, yesterday, I think I, I was thinking about it. Not that it's important, but there was, I think, at least four, maybe five different people with very different requests, very different problems that I was able to have the opportunity to pray on the phone with them yesterday. Now, you see, that's how big our God is. That's how big our God is. And he cares about all of them. And she said at the end, Larry, I needed that. And you know what that was? That was quietness. That was quietness. We just, God, I want to leave this with you right now. You're the only one big enough and tough enough and smart enough and any other enoughs to get this right. That's what quietness looks like. Now, it didn't solve the problem yet. But I told her, I said, you know what, there's going to be other people praying for you. Oh, there's power in prayer. There's so much power in prayer. And me asking you to do that, I know that that gives me a great deal of confidence in what's going to happen. Because God is, He's active. He's busy. When you're being quiet, He's active. See, that's one of our problems. If, if, if we're quiet, then it seems like, well, everybody else is too. What's God doing if I'm quiet? God is actively working. He's actively working. He knows exactly what to do, exactly how to do it. And he brings the best out of those that love Christ. 
Isn't that good? That's really good. It's really good. But again, these Israelites had forgotten everything. They just, poof, in the wind, putting all their trust in Egypt. And, we set, and actually, they sent a lot of money there, too, to form this alliance. And in the end, zippity-doo-dah, nothing. And look at this. I want you to see something. <clears throat> now, sometimes it would be like God slaps them up and says, what is wrong with you? Do you not get this? And would he be fair in doing that? Yes, he would, especially those that are his own. But I want, I'm, I'm going to see if it says it here. I was reading it in one version. I'm at 15. Let's see here. I'm going, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to look at, maybe it's the NLT. It was really good because he, he responded with just the way God's responds. It's so good. Verse 15, I'm going to read it again here. Uh, this is what the Sovereign Lord, this is verse 15, Isaiah 30 in the NLT. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will get our help from Egypt. We will get, they will give us swift horses for riding into battle, but the only swiftness you're going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make all of you flee. You will be left like a, lo a lonely flagpole on a hill or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. Verse 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to Him so He can show you His love and compassion. Isn't that powerful? He's what, even Israel, he, go, go ahead, go, go ahead and see how it works out for you. I'm here. It's quietness and confidence that produces strength. But go ahead. But in the meantime, I'm waiting here for you so that I can share my love and compassion with you. Isn't that beautiful? And away we go, right? <laughs> and away we go. But there's sometimes, actually that our faith can literally desert us. And I'm saying that not because we want it to, and God wants it. He wants us to remain faithful. He's very clear about that. But He wouldn't have given us Romans chapter 8 if He would have felt we would never, ever have some sense of a faith desertion. Faith AWOL, absent without leave. Have you ever had faith absent without leave? Yes, you have. Sure you have. Because we're human. We're not perfect. There's those moments, maybe even those days where you just say, I had a day. What day was that? That was, uh, well, there's been a, several of them. It might, have been, it might have even been yesterday. September. September, that was, a, that was a tougher, that was a tough deal. And it's just like, ah. And you know what the last, again, I want to I I leave this on the board for you. Quietness plus confidence equals strength. It's two of the hardest things that you can do together. Quiet, confidence. That is difficult but it is truly the key to your success and the strength, if you're in Christ, for you to gain the victory. There's no other way. Now, the other thing that I want to show you is let's go to Romans chapter 8. We're kind of mixing some themes. I have a question. Yes. So, I can understand quietness, but confidence, does that mean confidence in your faith or confidence in something you can That is an excellent question. That is absolutely excellent. So the quietness part I did a pretty good job on. The confidence we maybe didn't talk enough about, okay? And I think what Rhonda's asking is really good. What is my confidence in what's to be? Is it in, is it in me? Is it, what, what is the confidence in? Okay? The confidence that the Lord God is asking us to have along with the quietness, that's the cessation of activity in regards to everything that's outside of God. Now, it's amazing when we're in trouble, where is all the activity? Is it around God? No! No, it's a flurry of activity, and it's just chasing everything other than God. Because if we were going to do like Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, don't be anxious, but pray about everything. Praying about everything is quietness. So our confidence then is what? The confidence would be in God. Whatever that is. Now, that's, that's not easy. But we... When, we, when our confidence is in God, our trust, our belief, those things that we describe, our faith is in God, then we're trusting Him for whatever it is that comes to us because we know that He has our best interest in hand. 
Romans 8.28. For all things work together for the good of those that love God. Now, there's sometimes when, we're, when we have something happen to us, we say, how is that good? Or we can throw the why question out there, the W-H-Y. Do you know who's in the spotlight every time we ask why? You. Yourself. That's the one question I try to refuse to ask because all it does is makes me feel bad about where I'm at at that time because I have been taken advantage of. Right? That's what the why, and it's really good at it. Why did that? Why me? Why? Do you see what? Just boom, 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 boom. You're right there. But sometimes those events, maybe an accident, maybe an illness, maybe a death, maybe a tragedy, maybe something that is not necessarily good, and yet God is using those pieces. Now, the way, He didn't desert you, He didn't abandon you. We're going to be looking at that in Romans chapter 8 further on, that He is so loving to you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Getting ahead of myself, but i got to share it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God if you're in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh, somebody didn't even say amen. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Psalm 4610. That's beautiful. Be still and know that I am God. And see that in that stillness, in those moments of stillness, we not only, and and Rhonda's putting this right there, not only in the quiet, you see, it actually adds to the sense of confidence. Do you see what I'm saying? The, the, The more that you're in tune with what God is about, our confidence level goes up because we start to see things for as they are. A lot of the things I was going to do in the middle of the night would have been fruitless. But the more that I was beginning to be thankful, the more that I was willing to pray, thank you, and ask for God to intervene in other people's lives, which is this young lady that I just told you, I prayed for her for a long time. And you know what? My problems became smaller. Big God, small problems. Little God, big problems, right? So it's how how we approach it. Did that help you, Rhonda? Okay, so the confidence is truly, I mean, just the whole circle is my confidence in God. Whatever it is that happens, I'm good with that. It was just like those, I mean, like take for instance Daniel. And the penalty is, If you go out and you pray to anyone other than our fearless leader, you're going to get thrown into the lion, the den of lions. Excuse me? (laughs) Now, you added that, Mother. That is not in the Scriptures because Daniel, what happens to a... a, You know, what happens to a den of lions when they're in a praying man's pen? Nothing. (laughs) Right? But, But certainly... Uh, you would have to think that. That's the natural occasion. And so Daniel would have had to take, quote, what was he doing? What did, what did he do? He was quiet and confident, wasn't he? His strength was not in himself. He didn't try to weasel himself around this. He just said, it says, he literally, we could go to the scripture, he, would, he went and did as he did exactly before. He opened the windows and he prayed toward Jerusalem and he did the very same thing he'd done the day before because he knew that the strength of those that could take his life could not do anything with him in his ultimate eternity. And you know what happened. Here they come. Oh, yes, king, that Daniel, that one you really like, guess what? He disobeyed you. Oh, and Darius, what did he do? Oh, oh, Daniel, right? He knew he'd been... been, But how how did they trick the king? How did they trick, trick Darius? They appeal to himself, to himself. Oh, king, you great and mighty leader of all, let's have everybody pray to you. That's not a bad idea, right? And Daniel said, no, it's a bad idea, and I'm not going to do it regardless of what happens to me. Regard- Oops, it's gone, regardless of circumstance. Do you think he was tense before he was thrown into the den of lions? If he had quiet and confidence, no, because he was relying on God's strength. And we have no idea, but other than nothing is said. 
And it doesn't seem to be anything. Who is, who is, really, who is really not quiet and uh, confident right then? King Darius. Oh, Daniel, if your God can save you. <laughs> Daniel said, it doesn't matter what happens right now. I'm either going to be home with God or he's going to save me. Remember those four guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Same deal. Same deal. They said King Nebuchadnezzar, he could, he could, he could swing a big stick. Nebuchadnezzar run everything in the world. He wasn't just a dictator. He was the dictator. And they basically came to him, these three little guys, and they, uh, you know, we heard you. We understand. But no, we're not going to bow down to you, no matter what. And if God chooses to save us, glory be to him. If he chooses not to, glory be to him. That is strength, people. That is strength. That is quiet confidence. That is confidence. And what did Nebuchadnezzar? He flew into a rage. I'm trying to figure this out. If you've got a furnace there that would normally burn up people, why would you make it seven times hotter? To make your point? I don't know. It was just so weird. But again, do you see how self gets in this? And you know what? That's what we're really talking about. All of this today. That he was really mad. He had he had mad, mad disease. But there's something in all of have you noticed what we're talking about so far? All of this stuff is really about this. It's self surrender. Self-surrender. Because if you cannot have strength in yourself and strength in God at the same time, it's absolutely impossible. You must choose. And to get this strength from God's strength, self has to surrender. Yes, God, I give you everything that I am. And actually, for this, to be, to the, for this to be real, quite honestly, in today, now we're talking about that in Israelites, but if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you have the same God. You have the same opportunities. You have the same strength because you're in Christ. That is fantastic. So the very same thing. And by the way, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, I believe it says that God declares himself to be the same yesterday today and forever. I think that that's one, of my, that's one of my favorite things that God says about himself. That means he can't change his mind. I don't want my God to change his mind. Because if I've lived for 58 years that I've done so far, following after what the scripture says, and if I knew somewhere in the future that he could say, you know, thinking about it, I think we're going to change that. Wouldn't that be scary? And Allah... The Muslim's God has the ability to abrogate, to change his mind. I don't like that idea. Isn't that? I'm so glad that verse is there. He's the same for past, future, forever. I can trust him. Isn't that good? Now, I'd like to take one more. Let's take, let's take one more uh, scripture. And let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at... Several verses there. Romans chapter 8. Let's see. Now, interesting, actually, it starts out uh, chapter 8, verse 1, another one of my favorite verses. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I want to be there. That's where I want to be. And verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, he, he fit everything that needed to be done to conquer all of the challenges, all the punishments. Jesus Christ said, I'll do that. And he did. And that's why there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ, because he paid the price. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. But I want you to see something. Let's go all the way back now to the end of the chapter, Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Before you read that, I do want to say that there are times where the struggle is so severe and the challenges, we forget about the promises of God. And by the way, the, the, uh, God's grace is channeled or flows through His promises and not His commands. There's no strength in his commands. Is there anything wrong with his commands? No, of course not. But his commands or the law 
of which it says, there is no life in the law. His commands, grace doesn't come through His commands. Grace comes through His promises. And it's really important for us to know that. Because if we're living just by commands or lack thereof, then we have failed to see and to receive the grace that comes only through His promises. That is monstrous. That is monstrous. Okay, let's go now. When faith is waning or it is AWOL, the question that is asked, Paul asks in verse 35 of Romans chapter 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a great question, isn't it? I want to know the answer to that question. Is there something, somewhere, somebody that can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. And you've got, well, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm hearing him emphatic kind of stuff. That means this has been preached before. That's great. But he goes on to list some things. Okay? He, he lists, first of all, in fact, he, he doesn't want anybody to, to, you don't want to leave any doubt. You want to name it all. He says, shall tribulation, tribulation. Now, the word behind tribulation is that of pressure, just to be squeezed. And if, you, if you're suffering from trials and tribulation, you know what? That's what you feel. You feel, you feel compressed and just so tight that you can't hardly breathe, right? That's not going to do it. That can't separate you from the love of God, the love of Christ, or distress. Another word we could get that is pain. I talked to, uh, um, actually, this, this, I'm going to come back to this uh, young woman I just told you of. And uh, her, her biological father had abandoned her when she was four. And her brother, I don't, I don't know if he was older or younger. I don't remember that, okay? But just gone. And he, he married another, another gal, and there would have been a half-sister that was getting married. Now, this young woman that I'm speaking of, she would have had her youngest son, which would have been about two. And she and her brother went to the wedding of this half-sister just to see her dad. Do you know he would not acknowledge them, would not speak to them, would not look at them? That's pain. That is pain. In fact, she's still with, and her father actually had just passed away not too long ago. No relationship. Not of her choosing. That's pain. That's pain. But I said, she said, but mom did remarry when I was six. And that man, I called my dad. I called him my dad because he loved me. And, she's, and you could just see it. But you know what? She said, I always want to know why daddy, and she broke down, why he didn't like me. And this is a grown woman. Do you see? That's pain. Can the love of Christ be separated because of that? And that's about as intense a pain as I can build for you today. That's intense. No. The love of Christ is there. Isn't that good? Or any other pain. No, it's, it's good. It's solid. It's real. It goes on. Or persecution. Now, that's severe, sometimes even physical pain. Challenges that are... It could be from a number of different levels, but you're certainly in a very tender situation. But no, that cannot separate us from the love of Christ. Or famine. Now, that's not just, just like a dry spell. That's, in other words, if you've stood for Christ and you've lost a job, you've lost position, you've lost relationship because of who you say that Jesus Christ is. You see what I'm saying? No, that can't do it either. That's not going to get it done. And you say, why are you belaboring all this? Because we already said, we already answered the question, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. I just want to make sure you understand all of the little things that you may not have thought about that are really big. Here's another one, or nakedness, and that's not necessarily being unclothed, it's a sense of poverty. I mean, true nothing, you have nothing, you are down to nothing. No, love of Christ is still there. Guess what? I'll show some of you that have some of the strongest faith, some of the most happiest, contented people I could possibly show you that have absolutely nothing. 
in the sense of financial or the world's goods. It's not determined. It's not determined by that. Or peril. I'd like to go to 1 Corinthians. You can hold your place here. I can turn if you'd like. I can read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 30. You might write it down. You'll also find in 1 Corinthians 11 that eight times in that chapter, Paul uses the word peril. But in verse 30, it gives us another situation here in Paul's life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 30, it says, And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? In other words, at almost every hour that Paul was living and breathing, teaching about Jesus, his life was in jeopardy. He was in peril. I was, I was reading this week in my, in my scripture reading. It's just so, I can't remember where it was. It was in Acts, obviously. But um, you remember they did some great things. They healed some people, Paul and Barnabas. And then the townspeople came and they thought that they were, they were gods, right? Which one was Apollos and which one was the other one? I don't remember. It doesn't matter because they said, no, 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 no. We're just men, right? And they were just, oh, we are just gushing. Oh, we, how can we have anything better than you two guys? Unbelievable. Our life is awesome. And then somebody came into town and said, you can't trust those two. And I'm, are you ready? The next sentence said, and they drug Paul out of town and stoned him to death. <laughs> well, that's a switch, isn't it? And then the really cool part was they left him for dead. He gets back up. The Christians come out and help him, and he walks back into town. <laughs> that guy is quietness and confidence is his strength, right? I can't say it loud enough. It's probably too loud already. But that's Paul, wasn't he? Wasn't he, a, he was awesome. He was so awesome. And he's writing this. And he, by the way, you know what? All of these things that we're talking about right now, those are things that he lived. Every single one of these. And he said it with a great deal of confidence. And then it goes, our sword. Uh, the prison or the, sword, the word for sword there is actually used in the sense of if someone's incarcerated, um, there was a short sword that was used to execute that prisoner, if it was a capital offense. And he said, can't separate him from the love of Christ. Whoa, that's a lot of stuff. I'm really high on that. I'm really high on that. Let's keep going. It gets better. As it is written, verse 36, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If that is not an amazing change in two verses, and somebody needs to talk to me, when I say the word sheep, what do you think about? Defenseless, dumb animal. What was that? Sweet, fuzzy animal, right? <laughs> Seem to be a few different adjectives coming here, but that's okay. But you know what you don't think of them as? More than conquerors. A sheep? Are you kidding me? A sheep? More than conquerors? They're a follower, not a leader. They're a follower. That, my friends, puts it all in perspective for me. Now, it's not just... A conqueror, I'm sorry, not just win, no, conqueror, but more than conqueror. In fact, in the Greek, the word that's used is one I can't pronounce, but within it is the word, have you guys, anybody own some Nike shoes? Did you ever? Do you know someone that did? Okay, well, very good. That word Nike means victory. And it takes three English words to capture the more than victorious, the more than conquerors, and we're literally seen as sheep awaiting slaughter. That's what the power of God can do when we have quietness and confidence. That, my friends, is truly amazing. And He wants you all here today, first of all, to be in Christ, trusting Him on a personal relationship, because when you're in that position, then there's so much goodness that He wants to give to you. And all you have to do, literally, is be quiet in confidence. And your strength is not any more important. In fact, probably the biggest play, we'll, we'll, close, we'll maybe close with this. I don't know if we'll close or not, but you know how I am. You never know. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's turn there. Because Paul himself, in, a, in its personal situation, 
Uh, this passage is probably very familiar to some of you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you turn there, there was a, a unique event that Paul was given the occasion to view. It tells us in verses 1 through probably verse 6, um, you can read it on your own, that he was actually given the opportunity, whether it was a vision or he was there personally, did not, could not tell, but he went up into the third heaven. He was able to see things that men don't get the opportunity, men or women don't get the opportunity to see. And it must have blown his mind. And to think of that, he said, in fact, if anything... It probably exalted me. You know, how could you go to heaven and not be exalted? Correct? Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait to go, really. Maybe not right now, but I mean, I cannot wait to go. There's some stuff I need to get done, right? Either that or God's going to have to do it when I leave. <laughs> right? But I think, I think if I can't, I, just again, you know who popped my mind right now? Josh Dykes, 30, or 47 years old. I'm in a conversation with him that night before. He was killed, and we talked for 45 minutes about nothing but his walk with Jesus Christ, and we were dealing with a passage that was Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, that God can do stuff that's incomprehensible, it's beyond what we can think or imagine, and that's what he was talking about. It was so good, and literally the next day, he didn't come home, rolled a side-by-side seven or eight times, found him the next day beneath it, but you know what? He was, he was in heaven. He was in heaven. He was looking into the face of the one that had saved him. That's fantastic. Because that didn't, couldn't separate him from the love of Christ either. See, it's so good. It's so rich. It's so powerful. So powerful. But back to Paul. He was able to see into heaven. But I, got off, I went down a branch there, didn't I? Yeah, I went down that branch. But you guys didn't cut it off, though, so I'm okay. I'm back. I've, I came back to the tree. And he says this, verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He says a lot of things in there, but one of the things, this thorn in the flesh, that's an irritation. You know what? It's 24-7. Have you ever had a thorn in your, in your toe or in your foot? You know, that, it hurts all the time, doesn't it? And I'm, I'm not suggesting that it was that small in, in Paul's case. I think this was, this was something big. This was something that was just not just annoying. It was ugh, the real deal. Never went away. Never went away. And he prayed to God three times. It's like he was saying, you know, God, really, I could be a better witness. I could go places where a lot easier if you could get rid of this. Like right now, that'd be great. I'd thank yesterday would have been better, right? And he said he prayed three times. And God said, what did he say? Watch this. This is so good. This is so good. Verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord three times, and then it might depart from me. I bet he did. Verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect or mature in weakness. Then he goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's exactly what we're talking about here. That's what he wants for you. You see, when you self-surrender, then all of that Weak, so-called weakness becomes strength when you're relying on Him in quietness and confidence. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And what I'm going to say right now, you have no idea how little that I had put together for notes today. So it's truly remarkable and incredible what God can do. That's all I can say. Because He brought... I had all these thoughts and I could... God, what am I going to do? I was back there on the table wanting... I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, trust me. Trust me. Now, I was studying. Don't get me wrong. I think you should study, right? You shouldn't just like wing it. Just walk up. Okay, God, lay it on me. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying this. Let him lead you where he wants you because that's where you need to be. That's right. Be still and know. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love and kindness. Your graciousness towards us that is channeled through your that your grace is channeled through your promises. There's so many promises. Someday, Father, we'll probably just name 200 of them. 
just to see how merciful and mighty and great, full of grace you are. But this one, <coughs> this one here right here, <coughs> literally, to approach you with quietness and confidence, receiving your strength. That is so rich. Father, thank you for being a merciful, grace, uh, full of grace God, one that we can trust, one that we know we can trust. We pray for each one that's here today, Father, that you would bring them to a closer relationship to yourself. They would get a sense further of the love that you care for them. Wrap your arms around them. Hold them close. Hold them tight. Show them the God that you are. Now, these things we, we rest with you in Christ Jesus, the Savior, the one that changed it all through his sacrifice as he endured the cross. As it said in our text, the author and finisher of our faith, the initiator and finisher of our faith. Wow. Thank you. In his name.